Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. So you want to watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's Dark Board Movie Night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. This week, we cover our first sequel and the debut of one of the biggest auteurs of his generation. We're talking Alien 3, or Alien Cubed, I guess. Starring, <laughs> starring Sigourney Weaver and Charles Dance, and directed by David Fincher, who uh, has pretty much disowned this movie, Jared. Well, he had that classic thing, which I'm sure we'll discuss, of just getting railroaded by the studio system early on before someone's been able to prove themselves mm. many of our favorite filmmakers have similar tales absolutely um but we'll get into all that i'm i i think you know this is a movie that is talked about as like you know kind of a failure in some ways but uh, i'm interested to kind of break it down because it is far from a boring movie i will say mm. Mm. yeah i am we say this like every week and I mean it every week, but I really am looking forward to this conversation because, as usual, you might hear some thunder in the background, by the way. I've got a like great a, ambient like a noise for real storm happening here in the A. But as usual, we have kept our cards close to the. Do you say chest or vest? You know, I literally, I was thinking about this the other day. I have no idea which one it is. Yeah, I think it can be both. I, I, um, I usually say chest, but I, I could be wrong. I think I like Vest, but uh, I like them both. But anyway, we've, we've kept our cards close to our bosoms, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing what we both uh, hearing what you think about this movie, and and we will see. Let's do a quick board review. At number one, The Brothers Bloom. Number two, Don't Look Now. Number three, Zed. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, today's episode, Alien 3. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Alligator. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, The Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Dirty Dancing. Number 14, Straight Time. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days in May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. And number 20, Altered States. Hell yeah, baby. I will be very glad to not have to say number five, Alien 3 anymore, because the numbers fuck me up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the three, you know, so this is number five. See, I just fucked it up right there. Five, I guess, not a super important number in the list, but uh, looking forward to it. What are important numbers? (laughs) One, 20, two is a big one. Sure. You know, anything from like five to 17. Just in terms of like reading it off. Yeah, and like list pops, and like you know, you want this number to really, to really bang, you know. I hear you. I hear you. But well, I get it too. Like, let's get rid of the air number five, number three nonsense. As as usual, I don't remember who is putting up the the new movie this week. Is it me? It's you. Yeah, okay. you're you're um you you're you're this week because I did alligator last week. <laughs> Which was one for me, with my new philosophy. That was a one for you, that's for sure. But uh, I'm actually excited for that one, though. That's going to be funny. Yeah, me too. 
In any case, you want to give us a streaming check on Alien Cubed there, Jared? Oh, you know it. 1992's Alien Cubed. Currently available on Hulu with subscription. Everywhere else that I've seen is pay to rent. So that's the best way to track it down. If you've never seen this, if you want to revisit it, if you're intrigued in checking it out, Hulu's the best way. Absolutely. So this is a Jared Given choice. What made you want to put Alien 3 on the board, Jared? Well, I went through a little bit of an alien tear maybe three or four months ago where I saw a 35 millimeter print of the original alien in theaters and that kind of kick-started it and then I checked I revisited Prometheus again which is a movie that I had already loved at this point and that kind of cemented it Drew and I have very similar opinions about that movie but um, anyway really solid in my opinion we are Great defenders movie. to be clear yeah big defenders enjoyed my revisit of Alien Covenant enough. Not the greatest movie yeah. ever, but I think it's solid, and it's a cool entry into the franchise in general. I agree. And that just kind of got you and I talking, I think, about Alien versus Aliens in terms of which do we prefer and different things like that. And that just which kind of led to me like... It's you know, important I, to note that you are kind of one that maligns Aliens, the second yes, one. Yes, yes, which I would imagine we'll touch on tonight, too. I mean, Absolutely. obviously, we're focusing on Alien 3 here, but... Since we're starting this discussion with Alien 3, which is kind of strange, we can't avoid mentioning our thoughts on Alien and Aliens. And um, yeah, I just uh, realized I have not seen Alien 3 or Resurrection. And I've always heard that they're kind of shitty. But this show has taught us over and over again that you can't just rely on word of mouth all the time. And I was just kind of curious. You know, it's like, what is this Alien 3 it was much hated and all this stuff. I mean, Fincher's kind of at the helm here, and we'll discuss that, that asterisk I'm throwing in there. Um, but how bad could it be? And I'm, I'm just kind of curious. And I thought, let's do it. Let's get it on the board. Let's, let's see what all the squawking is about. I forget, Drew. Have you seen this before? No, I'm I'm in okay. literally the exact same boat as you, where I've I've loved all those other movies, but for some reason, three and Resurrection, I just never went back to yet. Um, it was always a yet for me. I, I knew I would see them eventually, but I don't know. It's like when you've watched that many good entries in a series, it it you know, and you know going in that these are the two that that people kind of don't like subconsciously consciously whatever it, it definitely directs you away from watching it to some extent again it's just proof we can't always listen to the boobs no. and, and not to tip my hand but i'm really glad that we hit it it turned it, it i think it's going to be because it kind of felt like a throwaway i think another thing is i was kind of panicking and didn't have a good good nominee to replace number five mm -hmm. so i think it was just like ah alien three and then when we hit it relatively quickly i was like i don't know about this um but I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. I agree. Uh, but before we get to Alien 3, why don't we dig through our thoughts on Alien and Aliens? How do you feel about the original Ridley Scott Alien from 1979, I want to say? Sounds right to me. I love that movie. And if not for one douchebag quibble gripe of mine, it would probably be my favorite horror film of all time. What's your it gripe? It is... My one gripe um, is the first person camera work towards the end is just a little overdone. And it's like, I think it's a perfect movie 
with that tiny exception. But mm. everything everything else in the movie is unreal. And Very curious your thoughts on this movie then when it comes to I the first person cameras though. So we'll get to that. I got a note. I got a note. <laughs> um, so, but but outside of that, it's stupendous and yeah. has some amazing performances and one of the great dark horse characters coming out of nowhere and overtaking the movie in cinema history people might forget that in the original alien as the movie starts out it seems like sigourney weaver is almost like a side character yeah and then she just kind of ends up coming like a freight train and it's so unexpected especially for movies of that time quote unquote to have such a strong female character Somewhat unexpected. Totally. And um, it's just really cool. So I think that movie is is amazing, and I'm a huge, huge fan. So that's me. That's what I'm going through. What do you think of the original Alien, Drew? I mean, it's a masterpiece. It's it's an incredible, incredible film. Uh, the Just the world design, the production design, the like design of the alien, like it's all just genius fucking shit. And... Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, Tom Skerritt is amazing in that movie. Uh, you get Yafit Kodo is so fucking fun to watch. Harry Dean Stanton. It's just one of the best casts ever assembled for a movie like that. Obviously, you know, you've got like horror movies like Jason movies and Freddy and like these kind of unkillable murderers, right? But like alien kind of took it to this next level of just like, this is literally like unbeatable. There's, there's basically nothing you can do. Like you hurt it and it can still hurt you from being hurt. You know, like it's got acid blood. (laughs) It's just like, you know, every possible way to defeat this thing is kind of like null and void just based on like the, you know, how it's a, it's a wrecking machine. And, um, I don't know. I just, I just think it's like, it's, it's a perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 stunning. And you're so right. I, I wasn't really thinking about the construction of the creature. And the added wrinkle of acid blood is just a great... It's a great... I don't know if you'd call it a convention or whatever. But it's a really cool curveball to th- throw the situation. And as you know, Drew, and, and devoted listeners might know, I'm, I'm still relatively new to enjoying the horror genre in general i mean we one of my favorite movies of the last 50 was the blair witch project um but um even when i was like younger that the the types of horror movies that i responded to then and still as i think the case now is monster movies like those ones i actually get drawn to especially something like the thing which is probably my favorite for horror movie ever uh, but then Alien, like these, and, and I'm excited for us to get to Alligator, because I, I think this is a, a way that I lean when it comes to this yeah. genre. And Alien is is just a, is one of the greatest examples of a monster horror movie ever made, in my opinion. The interesting thing is Alien was always intended to be a standalone thing, and it took seven years to get a sequel made, uh, mostly because Sigourney apparently like just didn't want to do one. Uh, she wanted to kind of let it stand on its own, but you know, you James don't hear Cameron, that every day. No. Uh, and James Cameron, I guess the famous story is, uh, his pitch meeting for doing an alien sequel. He walked into the boardroom on the chalkboard, wrote alien. And he was like, hmm. kind of gestured like, Oh, this is good. Right. Right. This is awesome. And then he walked over and he wrote an S on the end of it 
and he pointed to it again and just was kind of like doing this all kind of like silent. <laughs> and then he uh, <laughs> writes two lines through the S to make it a dollar sign. And he's like, profit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like a what legendary a story. Of what it, he's such a jackass, <laughs> but I James love it. Cameron. Oh, oh I love God. it. I love it. Oh, he is such a douche. Or was back then. Maybe he he's backs it up now, though, but... man. I mean, he's made oh some of the I mean, I guess, and, he's, and he knows who he's pitching to. He's he's that's the thing working about towards Cameron. an he, audience. Exactly. You know? He always yeah. knows who he needs to appeal to and how to do it. Like he is the consummate salesman in a way. But Cameron also introduced the really amazing piece of the Ripley character, which is the mother, the mothering side of her, the one like like the one who, you know, in this movie loses her child uh, in a way, and it's you know, it, it's it's just such a um, important piece of that character to me. Like he definitely deserves commendation for that. But what what are your feelings on Aliens? Because you said you rewatched it recently. Yes. So um, a few weeks ago, a month ago, whatever. Uh, Graham and Alexa came over and re we rewatched aliens, um, which we had been talking about for, for months. And Graham is one of the few I've ever heard who prefers S to N, so to speak. Um, and which I was very surprised to hear him say that. And I really just don't care for that movie still on rewatch again. Still it's, I still struggle with it. You you just do not respond to Cameron the way that I do at all. Yeah, it's a totally different thing. But I will say I agree with what you you mentioned just a few seconds ago about adding the dimension of Ripley as a mother and her aspirations to be a motherly figure, if not an actual mother. Like that is really good shit. And even though I I get dismissive of Cameron in terms of what I perceive as thinly written characters, that's a great element to bring into Sigourney Weaver's character. So I agree with you there. Uh, and it's not a disaster. Like I don't, I don't fucking hate the movie, but like whenever people are under attack in that movie, I just don't care. And I don't know why, but I just like, I'm like something about, and it goes back to his pitch with the adding the S and the dollar signs. It's like sometimes less is more and we'll get into alien three, but that's one of the things I do like about the movie we're actually talking about tonight is bringing it back to just one nemesis because when it's like, Aliens kind of turns into like a zombie film and there's so many aliens that like I just don't feel the tension anymore and like just everything's getting shot up and machined gun and they're I mean, either it's dying or they're not. I just, it's it's it not is, a horror movie but, yet. Like they, they made a, a conscious decision to move away from that. I mean like for good reason like you can't one up alien if you're trying to do the same thing you're doing it wrong. So I, I appreciate the direction they go. And I mean, for me, it completely works as like an, you know, epic action movie. And I think like the zombie elements, I mean, that's very much intentional, dude. Like, yeah, I, that's like, for sure. And, and I'm into it. Like, the, there are some shots in there of just like these, like, you know, like this just oncoming rush of aliens, like all kind of climbing over each other and shit. It's like incredible imagery, in my opinion. But your mileage may vary, I guess. Yeah, and I think I think I'm a little bit of an outlier here. Like most people, I think agree with you, and to some extent, Graham of like they really like that movie. That's a very lo- well. And to me, it's just movie. like it's so much fun. Like yeah. it's just like it, it. Like you know, I know you hate these like thinly drawn characters who are like kind of you know like have a shtick, but like I, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. Like I I love that in that movie, and I think like 
yeah, like, it, again, it's like cinematic shorthand. I'm okay with that kind of stuff. And also, I mean, you need to recognize that that fucking mother alien puppet at the end. That's and amazing. The battle, like the, that's the, great. All the effects of the, like the mech that she's, you know, piloting, yeah. that is incredible special effects work. Some of the best ever done. Totally, totally agree. That, that scene is great. The queen puppet itself is amazing. And it does seem like, and this is no super shade, but it does seem like that's where the majority of their focus went from a SFX standpoint, because the rest of the aliens are kind of, you don't really see them clearly, and they're they're definitely dudes in suits running around, and that's fine. But the the queen is stunning. I don't and that's know, man. Uh, unimpeachable. That scene in the tunnels, like in the sewers, where the alien pops out of the water, like next to him, and like the tails like whipping around. And, that's like, pretty. Dope that's too. some of the yeah. craziest, amazing, most amazing like puppet work I've seen ever. One last aliens question for you: How do you feel about Bill Paxton in that film? I know how you feel about it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I, I think it's kind of entertaining. Oh, it's so bad, I think. I mean, it's it's Game fun. over, man. Game oh, over. Oh, man. We got to get this thing off the rock, man. How the hell are we going to get off the rock? It's like, oh, my God, dude. It's like a, It's like a bad cliche of a stoner. It's so over the top. Uh, yeah. It does. It, it. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, and a lot like Graham loves it. He finds it super charming and 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 great. Yeah, different yeah, strokes pl- for different it's folks. So that's gen. I guess that's generally our thoughts leading up to Alien Three. Um, Should we get into overall lo- thoughts? I w- I would yes, but I do have one question that maybe we'll cut or ask later. Um, how much baggage did you have going into this specific thing? We like how much of the bullshit had you heard? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I definitely was aware that this movie was considered like lesser, you know, like this and Resurrection were the ones that people were like, ah, those ones are bad. And I definitely was aware of David Fincher, you know, his involvement and the way that the studio kind of uh, muscled him out and kind of he doesn't consider this to be his own movie at this point. Um, So I, you know, I'm aware of all of that stuff going in. But I also was aware that, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't think this is the case as much for Resurrection, but for this one, there are defenders of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was, I was kind of, like, going into it with the mindset of, like, this could go either way. I could be, you know, Prometheus, staunch defender of, of, of a movie that is, you know, reviled generally, or I could go the route that, you know, of, of just agreeing with the consensus and saying that this movie is shit. So I don't, I don't, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew I was going to be at least like intrigued by it. Mm, mm. What about you? Um, the baggage I had was very similar to yours. And I kind of mentioned how I had heard it was worse. And then you had informed me relatively recently about Fincher's connection, which I was not aware of, and that he had kind of disowned it. So I had that going into it. It's like, I know that Fincher got fucked by the studio. He was not a proven director at the time. It was like his first feature. So yeah, I knew that going in, that it was like he disowned it, which is always kind of tough to hear in a way. Um, But I tried to go into it with eyes open, and uh, I think I did. Well, what did you think of Alien Cubed? I think it's a tale of two movies for me. 
where the first 45 minutes to an hour, I'm kind of like, I think I'm really into this. As you know, as, as, as everyone listening knows, I'm not a huge fan at all of Aliens. So the fact that they kind of gloss over how that movie ends, and I could see if I loved that movie that that would be heartbreaking to me as a fan and would piss me off. But I don't have that baggage tethered to that film. Yeah, people so I didn't were, mind that. People were revolting against this movie early because of that choice. Yeah, because of what they did to Newt and the droid. I can't think of his name. Well, Bishop, but also Bishop, the Michael yeah. Bean character. Uh, I forget his character's oh, yeah. name, but yeah. So the fir- I, I didn't feel bad about the the where the story starts. And I was kind of like, I think I'm really digging this. Like, I like this setting, this kind of weird futuristic prison on a planet. Like, I like that it goes back to one alien, as I kind of alluded mm-hmm. to earlier. And... Um, I thought it was pretty fucking good. And I was like, this, I, I think I like this. And then Graham summed it up last night in conversation very well. But did you guys watch it together? No, we didn't, but we met up for drinks later and, and we started talking about it. And he said that spoiler alert for this movie, obviously <laughs> when Charles dances character dies, Clemens, mm. like the movie kind of tapers. And that was totally true to, how I reacted to this movie after that point, I just, and it wasn't the death of the character. I, I don't mind when a movie does that. It takes a bold swing, like Sam Jackson and deep blue sea or something like that. Um, but after that, and it wasn't because of the loss of him, but I just didn't give a fuck about what was happening beyond that hmm. point. And, and I think the movie for me closed really poorly and I just all the stuff in the tunnels and over here, over here, hey, hey, I just didn't care. And I found I found the directing to be very sloppy in terms of where are we? Who is this? And like because of the story component of everyone has a shaved head and because of the lice issue, a lot of these prisoners all look the same and we don't right. spend a ton of time with them to figure out who they are versus the other. So it's all these kind of like meaningless characters getting slaughtered in mysterious tunnels. And I don't know who's where and what they're trying to accomplish. So I think the movie really falls apart in the last 45 minutes. And I'm like, okay, now it's bad. So that bummed me out. I think it ends terribly, Hmm. but I I have to acknowledge that the, the setup to this movie I was really enjoying. So it's a tale, a tale of two films. Um, overall, though, I would say I'm glad I saw it. The ending was disappointing, but I do not think it's a train wreck or a disaster. It's it's entertaining. It's solid. It's fun. But I could not uh, get into caring on the back half, which is something I want to explore a little bit further in the discussion. But that's my overall thoughts. What did you think? of Alien Cubed. Yeah, I I feel like I'm in the same camp, but I maybe disagree on on some of the stuff that I liked versus didn't like. I will say like the first 30 minutes or so of this movie, it was making such weird choices for the franchise that I thought were were interesting, but it is so relentlessly off-putting and and harrowing to watch. This movie starts with like a child dying and then them like cracking into a rib cage to like, you know, see if she has like an alien inside. Like it's like horrifying shit. You've got that, then you've got like 
an attempted rape pretty early on. You know, this movie just like is daring you to like it and daring you to keep watching and, and be on board with it because it's just, it's just awful to watch. Like there's a fucking dog that dies at like very early on. Like, and it's like a brutal, like, like this dog is just getting like eviscerated and it's like, it, it's so hard to watch that shit. So like all of that stuff was kind of challenging me because I was just like, man, this, is this just going to be this movie the whole time where it's just, just like beating you over the head with just insane, uh, grotesque stuff. And I kind of like that it gets away from that at, at, you know, the point that you're talking about, like the Charles dance death is, is incredible. And like, it's, it's really well done. You know, I, I think like too often, death of major character early on in a movie is used as like a kind of just like, ah, we got you kind of thing. And like that doesn't always agree with me, but for some reason in this movie, I was totally fine with it. It it really worked. So yeah, like you say like, that's kind of the end of your enjoyment of it. That's when yours begins. It no, like. It, it's like, I'm it's sprinkled in. Like, I mean, like, like I said, like those, those choices grotesque as they might be, I was interested in by, even if I wasn't sure I wanted to keep watching them. Well, they're important for a story. Yeah. From a story point of view. And I think like the stuff where, where they're doing the autopsy, uh, especially on first viewing, I think it really works because I am in Ripley's mindset a little bit still. For sure. And we don't really see who the face hugger attached to in the opening credits. We see like an x-ray shot. So I'm kind of in her mindset of thinking it could have been Newt. Totally. That, yeah. got, that got kind of taken by the face hugger. So for that reason and the way she's so apologetic about uh, you know, talking to the corpse about what they have to do. Um, I, I kind of, I bought into it's, it's being justified. It's included. Totally. I mean, the story, story reasons. Absolutely. I get, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying like, just on a visceral level, the get, experience yeah, of watching it is really rough. Yes. The dog's part, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like all that shit is just like, it's, it's a lot. And like, mm-hmm. I think what I like about, some of the stuff in the the back half of the movie that you really didn't respond to, I I kind of like that they go a little bit more cartoonish and big with it at times. Like I like the the scene right after the Charles dance scene where they're kind of like, you know, getting dressed down by the the main leader guy, and then he just gets ripped up into the ceiling and, and mauled. Like, yeah, that, and the ball drops. I love the ball drop. The I ball guess. drop, but like yeah. the also the guy just going, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and like and then like the dude mopping up the blood afterwards and like looking up into the ceiling <laughs> constantly. The ceiling. It's like that yeah. stuff is all really funny to me. Yeah, and that I, works and, for me and too. it's really it's enjoyable. Too. So like I love that stuff. I think like the special or, or the um, not the special effects because I, I think the CGI does not work at all. It's really unfortunate no. how bad that is. But especially when the aliens on the ceiling, oh my god, it's like got a greenish glow. It looks terrible. It's got like a halo around it. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But that being said, the explosion effects work and like the the sets that they built for this movie, like stuff like that, is really cool to see in in the end of this movie. Like they go. Those are some of the biz- biggest explosions I've ever seen on film in terms of just like the, they look intense. Dude, it's kind of interesting considering what we had with baggage before this experience and 
knowing what happened to Fincher and his reaction to this movie, it is still cool to have these moments where he breaks through mm-hmm. and you, and I think to myself, there he is. There's Fincher. Well, what's a moment like that? One of them is the slow-mo of the flare dropping yeah. onto the gas. And I was like, there, that's my guy. That's a, such a cool shot. And, um, very kind of stuff that he would explore more in like fight club and things like that down the line. Definitely. But uh, the, like, so even though he just kind of disowns this movie, there are definite points where it seems like that's him. And that's one of them for me is, is the flare drop. Well, I mean, right after Charles dance gets killed uh, the, maybe the most iconic image of the entire series uh, is one that Fincher sneaks in there. So like, yeah, I mean, the face to face, you mean? Yeah. Where the, the alien is like, kind of like, just like right next to her face that, I mean, that's when you think of alien, like that is in some ways the first image that comes to my mind, at least I, I don't know about you, but it is too. And you know what? I didn't know it was in this one. And then when it happened, I was like, Oh shit. And I don't know if it was part of like, you remember back in the day, when we would get DVDs and you throw one in and you would get like a compilation advert for Blu-ray or something else or other films on DVDs. Or like the studio, like like Warner Brothers or something. Exactly. I feel like that shot was used in a lot of those. So I, that had gotten baked into me of like, Oh, this is just an iconic alien shot. And uh, it is a great shot. It's fucking sick. You know, the story behind that is that, they had to steal that shot. Like the studio mm. was not letting Fincher shoot that for some fucking reason. What? And Fincher <laughs> apparently got Sigourney Weaver, a camera crew and the puppet and just like snuck away and, and took the shot on his own. Dude, I don't understand even hearing. I mean, you said for some reason and I'm with you. Like what? That's a, that's like, why is that? a Like, what is the studio doing? Dictating shots. That's absurd. That's completely ridiculous. I get it if they could say you don't have the budget for that, but you they should have no creative input over the shot structure. You hire someone you trust and you, you, you let them do it. You don't get on the ground and start fucking around with what shots should be. Well, Ridiculous. the thing is, I mean, Fox really fucked the dog on this one, uh, like from the get go. Like the, the whole development process of this movie is a litany of just the studio just being dumb and just like doing the exact opposite thing of what is logical. If you want to, we can get into the making of, I did a whole like note list yeah. of the trivia. Do you feel like you making of that? I, I'm in for getting into that right now, but just to be clear, did you, did you, did you feel like you, you completed your thought on overall thoughts too? Yeah. Let me, I'll, I'll wrap up on overall thoughts and then we can jump into that. But cool. Overall, I think it, like you said, mixed bag, there are high points. There are low points. I agree with you completely. Like the choice to shave their heads was a huge mistake because it just makes every everything just muddy. Like you just don't know what's happening, and and you lose a lot of the emotional attachment to the characters getting getting destroyed. Overall, I think this movie gets a bad rap. It's better than I anticipated, given the overall sentiment uh, generally. It seems, but there are definite problems. We'll get into some more of those as we go along. But to talk about the development of this movie, I think it's it's one of those like crazy Hollywood stories of just these movies that just get tossed around and and reshape in like clay, like just constantly like like and then what comes out is is either, you know, this masterpiece that somehow survived the process 
or it's a complete fucking and utter disaster. I think somehow this movie <laughs> falls somewhere in between. But that being said, uh, <laughs> all right, I'll just kind of go back through the beginning of this. So shortly after Aliens came out and made a shitload of money, the studio obviously was thinking third movie. We've got to do another one, right? Mm-hmm. So they originally wanted to get Ridley Scott back. And Ridley wanted to do it, but I guess his schedule was too packed at the time. You know, he was high in demand, obviously, coming off of all those you know early '80s movies that he did. I do sorry, just I do want to quickly say this is not shade on Fincher. This is simply because Ridley is a bit prickly and had been established at this point. This is probably a better movie with Ridley Scott doing it, simply because. Fincher wasn't given enough trust and room to really do what he wanted. Ridley would have had a firmer control over the situation. And again, I'm not bashing Fincher here. No, I just wanted to throw that out there. I bet it would have been better. Yeah, I mean, he's a first-time feature director. I mean, he was really respected in the music video world, but he was a nobody when it came to making movies. So the original idea was they actually wanted to make two movies simultaneously. Wow. Here's the other crazy thing is they were only going to have Ripley in one of them. She was going to be kind of a side character in the first of those two movies, and it was going to be Michael Bean as the main character of that, which, you know, given your feelings on Aliens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he is just so generic in that film. But anyway, this just proves what you're saying about, think of this was the initial seed of an idea, and look at we got. Like, the journey we're, we're about to go on to get here is insane, because mm-hmm. it's so different. So the original script was written by William Gibson. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but he's a sci-fi writer. He is kind of the the creator of the cyberpunk genre, essentially. Um, he wrote a book called Necromancer in the 80s that is like considered one of the great sci-fi novels of all time, and they've tried to adapt it into movies for years and have never been able to pull it off. So anyway, he was brought in to write the script, and his initial idea... I'm just going to quote what he described it as in shorthand. He just, he said, space commies hijack alien eggs, big problem in mall world. Mall world? So the world was going to be like a shopping mall world kind of thing. And it was going to be, you know, aliens on the loose and they're further going down the zombie, you know, hole that you talked about well, before, dude, basically. It goes back to what we were talking about with the original alien. That is how good this monster is designed is even premises like you're saying i'm like i would watch that yeah like aliens just attacking a mall like that's how cool this 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 monster is like i'd see it in like any scenario exactly just put it yeah yeah. put it in a mall fuck it very interesting though that eventually they kind of come back to essentially the same setting as the last two movies in a lot of ways you know just kind of industrial like you know isolation isolated tunnels you know can't escape no outdoors yeah yeah, all that kind of stuff anyway so mall world script (laughs) doesn't really go anywhere they they can't get it together the you know i don't know just just falls apart they bring in a few other people they do another script that uh doesn't involve Ripley and like it, it's just like it doesn't make any sense. You need Ripley in these movies, right? They eventually bring in David Tohi Tui. I, I forget how you pronounce his name, but he's the guy who did like Pitch Black and the Riddick movies. He also was the writer of the movie Fugitive. Anyway, Tui gets brought, brought on board to write. He, 
uh, takes it in a new direction, and this is where the prison planet comes from. So Tui writes a script about a prison planet, and uh, Ripley was not in it initially. He eventually rewrote that script to include Ripley when it became clear that uh, Sigourney was on board. That script gets put together, doesn't really go anywhere. Vincent Ward is brought on, and his idea is the most insane thing that I really <laughs> wish we got. It, it is such a cool idea. Dude, I just have to say, I, I truly have no idea about anything you've said so far, and I can't wait to hear what you say next. His idea is that she crash lands on a planet. I think it's actually a space station, but she she lands on this space station that is populated by Luddite monks who are living in this like elaborate wooden interior space station trying to like preserve like old ways of living kind of thing. But they ki- they eventually get to a script that merges the prison idea with this monk idea that's why that like you've got the kind of religious element to some of these characters in this movie and i don't know i i feel like the end product kind of just feels like muddy and caught in between those two ideas you know what i mean i want to throw this in now just because i think it makes sense for where we're at in this discussion graham gave me a really interesting piece of credit information that I was not aware of. And because I was talking to him last night about how I was nervous when I saw all the names of the people involved in the writing in the opening credits. And um, because it's like, okay, this looks like, and again, I'm thinking this is going to be the case. This looks like too many cooks in the kitchen. They're probably considering what I know about this movie. They're probably, it's going to be too many ideas crammed in. But uh, Graham told me this, that, if you ever see a writing credit with multiple names, there's a difference between and and ampersand, which I was not aware of. Yep, I am familiar um, with this, but keep going. So if it's an ampersand, meaning like the and signed, it means the people worked on the project together. They wrote it together. Correct. But if it's the word spelled out and, A-N-D, it means it was written separately. And this has both on the writing screen because they have David Geiler with ampersand Walter Hill and then and Larry Ferguson. And before that, there's a story credit. So it's like and the we're story getting a credit, lot I believe, of, is Vincent Ward, who I mentioned before. Right. So we get, we're getting a lot of sort of red flags just in the credits. But again, the end result is not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. No. It kind of seems to be the running theme of this discussion so far. I, d- I do want to kind of go back to the world, though, because... How did you feel about the design of it? I mean, the sets are really impressive. Like, I, I, I do love a lot of the production design, but it feels so samey to me with what's come before. I kind of was craving a new look to this movie, and it, and it's, you know, listen, I love, I love wet chains. Like, that's a great look to, <laughs> and, and a great aesthetic to go with. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of wanted it to deviate a little bit more. I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it. Um, now that you say it, I can see where you're coming from. But I personally found it to be, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure, that's fair. Um, like, it just, I think it is in line with the philosophy of the universe, which is to, and it really got started in the first film, de-romanticize the idea of science fiction and space exploration and, and looking in the future this way. 
and let's try to be gritty, realistic, and raw and show that this is not uh, Star Trek or something or, or it's, it's Star Wars. This is like – it's like if you moved up to Alaska to be – to work on an oil derrick. It's like that sort of lifestyle and, and industrial vibe is what they're trying to instill in these outer range places. Um, so I think I like it, but I get what you just brought to the floor of like maybe it would have been served with something – like different that's not just x's on big metal doors and people sneaking around like hallways yeah i mean i look like i i think you make a good point that is kind of the ethos of this whole series is just like uh like you like you said de-romanticizing like that's a perfect way to put it i just feel like you can still vary that up a little bit like that's why i responded so well to the vincent ward idea of like these luddite monks because it's like it is so different but it's these people that live within that that ugly version of space. They're like they they are rejecting that because like they they feel like there's a more beautiful way to live. I think that there's there's ways to do new things that still fit in with that concept, if if not maintaining the aesthetic. Yeah, totally. When you when you first mentioned Sigourney Weaver and her insistence on not having guns in the film. I was initially thinking, like I said, like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, just to make it different from Aliens with an S. But now that I'm, like, we're realizing about the multiple versions of the script, and it's just becoming so evident that it really was an issue of too many cooks in the kitchen, and we can add Sigourney Weaver's name to the list here. There's just too many people pulling at this idea for it to really succeed. Like... I know she's an executive producer. We love Sigourney Weaver. I'm sure we'll talk about her actual performance. I do think she's a positive force. Like, like the stories from the making of are her pushing for what I think are good decisions. But yeah, yeah. but still, it's just it's just to the idea of like there are just too many voices in the room here, and um, so I can see why it can be considered doomed to some degree. Yeah, you and I drew both like by our estimation and our view and life as it sits now, we've been watching movies for a while and I still, to this day, I don't know what separates a movie from that. I, well, I don't know what separates a movie that I care about versus one. I don't in terms of like what's happening to the characters. I still don't understand the ingredients that cause a distinction between these two categories in my mind. Mm. Uh, like, and to put it another way, when a movie is working and when it's not and aliens with an S is one is an example of like, I kind of lean on the, I don't really care level, but I couldn't really put it into words. Why? And for different reasons, a lot of this movie, especially the back half alien in aliens three falls into a similar category and it's like we're talking about it's just like i don't care like who like these and and there's just i had a lot of that feeling in the last 45 minutes of the movie and that just sucks all the tension that they're going for and some of these deaths like you're saying have really like cool setups and like they're but just there's no weight to anything for me as a viewer because i'm like i don't give a fuck and i just again i'm just like i don't know what causes the difference? There's some magic in combination of factors and alchemy, and it's different for different movies. But this one fell into that category for me of just like I don't give a fuck about what's happening, yeah. and I don't, I can't really explain why. But it's like it's not working. 
I will say I do think that they do a good job with the Charles Dance character and the Charles S. Dutton character. I think that both of them are are really well realized, and those actors are are not phoning it in. They they came to play, you know. Yeah, those are good, and and they they are people we care about, for sure. I'm with you there. Yeah, but when it comes to anyone below that line, it it just like they just are a mishmash of nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the majority of the tension points in that in that ending ending frame. So which which also you touched on that earlier, but that I I do completely agree with you. That entire set piece where they're trying to like get it to chase them down the tunnels and stuff terrible, insanely stupid. Terrible. I mean, like why do why do we get to just nerf the alien out of nowhere and be like, oh, it's not fast enough to catch these fucking like yahoos that just run down tunnels? Like, are you kidding me? In any other alien movie, they would have been gaining on them in like two seconds. Well, it, and, and it's, it's it, just like it's it's like that kind of like manipulative like logic twisting where it's like stop and, and like and then at a base level you don't communicate the geography of this space at all so it just it it it's nothing like we don't know where anyone's running to why they're running there it's it's a mess it's a complete mess and they try to have these exposition dumps of like what the plan is or what they're trying to accomplish but they never took for me so when they, we finally get to like the stage of like oh they're dumping molten lava on the alien and then the alien like jumps out of the lead at like the end of the film. I actually liked that. I thought that was. I, cool. I don't mind. No, I I don't mind that. But then they have that sprinkler system. That's that's. that's I love that. But what like is that? that? Well, like, what well, is yeah. That? What is it? No, I have no idea. Like yes, yeah, again, so that's, like the logic like, is. Yeah, you're right. You're I right. think they plant a seed early on from the Lost World guy, who's like, oh, a barrel of this stuff will do. Blah blah blah. But it's like so we're supposed to connect the dot that this is that chemical he's talking about and uh, there's just so much confusion like the alien gets hit with this shit and explodes it's like well is that a reaction to the lead it's coated in or is it some form of like crazy acid weapon but then ripley's like swinging there and getting rained on and nothing's happening to her so it's just like it's just so confusing there's so much confusion at the end of this film yeah i will say the explosion didn't bother me just because it looked cool it looked good and it was a fine like but i just but i agree with you. i don't it. i don't I'm understand lost. why he exploded because like like you said like i mean the expected thing is him you know the the water oh, causing the the lead to cool and therefore that's like it. encasing yep. them in lead which I like i just caught it oh yep. oh you didn't catch that no i i'm just getting it now oh yeah, yeah. so i mean that i understood that's what was happening but why he exploded from that i don't get yeah, so it's like the lead hardened, yeah, and and expanded or contracted or whatever. And exactly. Ripped it, ripped it up. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, Drew, we've been talking about you know dance and Ripley and you know Sigourney and all this. Let's. I think we should get into the actors if this sounds good to you. Let's do it. Let's start with the big Kahuna Burger here, and that is Sigourney Weaver, iconic role, Ripley. What did you think of Sigourney Weaver? In this film, and then if you want to get into it, how do you feel about her and the other films in this franchise, and and her, about her in general, even if you want to go into there? I mean, I love Sigourney in general. I think she's great. The first two movies in this, especially Aliens, I think she's delivering just an unbelievable performance. Like 
top tier genre filmmaking performance. You know what I mean? It's so layered and textured and she clearly has like a ton of reverence for this character. And like, she has a lot of like Sigourney herself. I, I think just like, this is her baby. You know what I mean? And so that, that really comes through in the performance to me. And I think that in this movie, it does as well. Like you cannot say she was not committed to this movie. She shaved her fucking head for it. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, she is really like putting it all out there. And I respect that. I think there are moments where, I don't know, like I, specifically like the moment right after dance dies, where she's kind of like, you know, terrified and she's just had this alien right next to her head and like she sprints down to that room to, and she's like, it's here. Like, you know, just kind of like, I feel like that was one of these moments where I kind of felt like you could almost see that David Fincher wasn't given the ability to do a hundred takes like he does normally, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's mm-hmm. like, I, man, I wish he had like three more takes at that. Cause I, it just does not land for me at all. Um, so there's like moments like that, but then there's also stuff like the scene where they're doing the autopsy on Newt is like, she is absolutely killing that scene. You know what I mean? So like, it's a mixed bag for me. It's, it's definitely like the worst of the three of her performances in this series that I've seen, but I do give it credit for, for a lot of reasons. How about you? Um, I think she's great in this, but I think there's a lot of bad things that are not her fault in this movie. Like the writing and the structure of the story fails her many times, but it's not her. Like she's never feels, I agree with you to me. It never feels like she's phoning it in or doesn't want to be there. Like she seems fully committed. Like you said, shaved head and all. It's like, I want to love this performance. Yeah. And, and she's, she's going for it and it's not too much. Like it feels real to me. But the script fails her several times, I think, in terms of dialogue and the, again, construction. And one example of the script failing her, it's, it's in the back half of the movie. And they're sort of like rallying the troops about standing up and fighting back. And there's this like push in shot from below Ripley that's like coming up to her. And it's like, what are these big, this is an iconic line sort of shots, if you know what I mean. And... She says, your ass is already on the line. The only question is, what are you going to do about it? And it's just like, that's such an awful line. It's boring. I hate lines like that where I'm like, you, you hear it? And you're like, did you just say anything? What does that mean? <laughs> that's just a combination of words. Like, your ass is on the line. Like, the only question is what you're going to do about it? It's like something like a WWE wrestler would say, like entering the ring. It's so bad, and like, and that was like their just, their improv improvisation on the spot, like first take idea. Yeah, it's you like know they what got I mean? the mic. They it's got not the, Roddy like the, Roddy Piper going. Uh, I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, yeah. and I'm all out of gum. Yeah, it's like there's, <laughs> it's not even like cheesy fun. Like yeah. like you mentioned that line. That's a great example of that. Or like, you know, Predator. If it bleeds we can kill it. Right. Like another, another monster horror movie that I love by the way. But like, so there's cheesy, bad, lovely, wonderful lines, but this, that's just nothing. That's just like a juicy fruit that you've chewed for too long. There's just nothing going on. And it's just, it, and 
there's nothing wrong with her. Like she so doesn't two deliver it in that. five seconds because juicy exactly. fruit is juicy dead. Fruit, <laughs> it means the second uh, the gum has con- conjoined, <laughs> lost its flavor, and now you're chewing on nothing. Um, but yeah, point point being, that's not Sigourney's fault. Like she right. delivers the line fine. It's just a terrible line, and then structurally, th- like the whole romance between her and Dance is is. A train wreck. It does. See, it I, that didn't way bother me. That didn't bother me at all. That that felt like two people who are like desperate for some amount of human connection and like you know find each other in a moment, and they're just like, we just need to fuck this out, you know. <laughs> and dance is hot. Let's be real. Dance is not Dan- hot. He's, oh come on, dance is very sexy. I, I agree. Sorry, I should clarify. He is sexy. He's a sexy, cool guy. But he's not like right, a beefcake. Right. He's not like a hot guy, I don't think. Um, to each their own. Like, it felt almost like a setup to a porno. Like, all of a sudden, I they're guess. talking about, like, hey, like, what's attacking us? And she's like, uh, I've been out here a long time. And I'm like, is this Dirk Diggler? Like, it's like, oh, I haven't been with a woman for a really long time. But again, time. it's the writing like, letting down the moment. It, it's not exactly. Like, and, and it's, it's, and it's like, how they construct their dialogue. And there and there didn't seem to be any looks between them or like nothing was building up until that point. And they try to they, they it seems like they try the approach of like, let's just call this out. Like she'll just say this and he'll say you're very abrupt and she'll literally say in so many words, I'm horny and just want to fuck something right now because it's been a while. Like, but it's just like just give me I don't know. Little snippets of scenes leading up to that that go that way. There was, yeah. It just came out of nowhere, and it was just so quick. Um, but again, that's not her fault. It's just I, my beef with the structure. You know what's so funny about that, though, is Fincher becomes a master of those moments later in his career where it's like, you know, the moments that call for a great line or a good, like, you know, just like, you know, punchline to something. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think of, like, the social network, like, a lesser director could screw up some of those punchlines, but he crushes every one of them. And there's like a million iconic lines from that movie as a result. You know what I mean? And so he like, he knows how to present those lines. It just needs to be well-written. It needs to be by a fucking Sorkin versus, you know, these two, these four people or whoever the fuck was involved in this. (laughs) This, this, yeah, this camel of a committee that, that created this thing. (laughs) Dude, totally. Dude, it feels right to me. What do you think about just going from here into Fincher? I mean, Let's obviously, do it. we're yeah. We're, well, well, it just feels the right. Main, they're the two main yeah. creative driving forces: Sigourney Weaver we'll come and, back and Fincher. To the we'll come back after. to the rest of them. But yeah, Fincher uh, is one of my all-time guys. Like, he's a guy that I just I love so many of his his movies. Um, I I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. I the only one I haven't seen is uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, I believe. But otherwise, I'm I've seen everything, and and I think he's a he's a modern master. What about you? Oftentimes, I'm not particularly interested in the subject matter that he's exploring. Really? So it leads me to feel like he's a little overrated, hmm. but I do like him a lot. And what, What's an example of, of you not being in line with that? Well, he, in terms of, like, I just have never been interested in, like, serial killer stories or just, like, Stories about people being monstrous, like they just don't resonate with me. And I feel like things like Seven and things like 
Uh, I haven't seen Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but I believe it 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 plays in a similar sandbox. Things like I know it's one of your favorites, but what's the one about the Zodiac? Like that one. Like he returns to this well a lot, and they're just not. Well, stories he's interested that- in obsession. He's interested in like like that is like the through line of of a lot of his his works is like these people who are you know possessed by their jobs or, or this obsession or like this fixation on, on controlling situations. And like, you know, I, I don't know, a lot of that stuff comes up throughout his work and, um, it, it, you know, is a reflection in a lot of ways of Fincher as a creator. Cause he's this guy who's, you know, exacting to an insane degree. Like I've heard this story of, um, Steven Soderbergh, who is also a modern master and, and just like, you know, one of the, the, consummate craftsman of, of film in terms of he can do everything on a set and he can just like do it all himself. Um, Soderbergh apparently sat in the editing room with David Fincher one time and he was just like pointing to areas of the screen and just being like, I need this about 10% darker here. And like, you know, just like this attention was saying, yes, this attention to detail that he has. Um, and Soderbergh was like, just like, I, I can't imagine living like that. Even he was just like, that is an insane level of detail that you are focused on. Well, and, and also, I just want to be super clear here. I'm not saying these are bad movies at all. I'm just saying I don't respond yeah. to the subject matter. Absolutely. And when when he departs from that stuff is when I really start clicking with him. Um, certainly with The Social Network. I mean, that's kind of a slam dunk pick. Everybody loves that movie. Might be the best I, movie I of the century. I wouldn't go that far, but it's one of it's. I love it. I, I love that movie. It's really. I mean, it really made great. it onto a lot of top tens of that decade lists. Like oh, was, and justifiably so. And yeah. and a, and an amazing score by Trent Reznor. Like one of the best scores. Game changing like, score. Yeah, it just it was just so. It's such a great movie. Um, I feel like you and I were talking about this fairly recently, but I haven't seen it since I was in like high school, but. The Panic Room left a strong impression on me. I really like that movie. I've been wanting to revisit The Curious Case of Benjamin me Button. Me too. I haven't seen it since it came out. Graham has been pounding the drum for Gone Girl. I've never seen it. Gone He's Girl like, rules. He's Dude, like, you've got to see it. That it, You're going to have a Moneyball reaction to that movie. So that's one where like I could definitely see putting that on the board soon for me. It's weird how that movie for me is another one of those where I can just put it on in the background, do other things, just check into it like I do with Moneyball like periodically. Um and like I do with Braveheart as I mentioned in the pre pre-ch- yes. chat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But like yeah, it's just it it's weirdly comforting. It, and and like again, his attention to detail in that movie is just fucking incredible. What are your favorites of his other than the ones you mentioned? You said Panic Room and you said, uh, what was the other one you said? I said Social Network. Social and, Network, um, yes. And there is a time in life where Fight Club is the best thing that you could see. And it's probably that like... The time was 2008 in college. <laughs> yeah, for me it was, for my money it's 16 to 20. If yeah, you're in yeah. the ages of 16 to 20... It's like the best thing you could ever see, and it is a really good movie. I'm I'm a fan, but when you're for an that angry time young in life, man, yes, when you're when you're kind of like coming like coming online to a larger degree and starting to think for yourself a little bit more, 
and you just see this curveball of a movie that like shows you there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. And it, it's a really cool movie. Um, maybe the coolest movie ever made. Well, it's also cool about the factor. dark side of that, like that kind of nihilism yep, for sure. That, you know, that anarchic spirit is, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, <laughs> I, I think that movie is pretty heavy handed and, and I don't think it works for me the same way now that it used to, but it, uh, there, there was a time and place like you're saying. Seven, on the other hand, is also a masterpiece that we don't talk about enough. That movie is great. Seven for me was fine. Like, I think super overrated. Like, I, I, like, I think it's a twisty good movie. Like, it's solid. But people talk about it with such reverence. I mean, dude, it's, like, it's the emergence of a artist. Seven was his second movie after Alien 3. And it was it's the one where it's movie, the yeah. one where he's it, it's his boogie nights. It's where he set out and he was like, OK, I'll make another movie, but I get final cut. You don't get to touch anything that I do. I get a really long shooting schedule like he like he demanded all of these things. I don't really know how he was able to do that like after this movie, considering how this movie was in a lot of ways a disappointment. I think it disappointed at the box office as well. So it's kind of incredible that he was able to demand that. But even still. Uh, seven is like, I mean, you look at the technical aspects of it, the cinematography, the, the editing, the, you know, just the way that he uses a camera, it is Fincher coming out fully formed finally. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I think it sounds like I'm a much bigger fan of Fincher than you are overall. Yeah, I think so, but I do like him a lot. I, I think you could do with some revisiting of stuff like seven and, and, uh, especially gone girl, you need to watch for sure. But let's move on from Fincher. Let's talk about some of the other actors here. We've mentioned him a bunch already. Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister himself. Early, early in terms of, you know, what I know of Dance. I mean, I know Dance from later years. He kind of like graduated into this elder statesman role where he kind of just plays powerful figures a lot. And I, and you know. I've seen him in a few things other than Game of Thrones, and, and I really dig him. But Game of Thrones is definitely like, you know, that's peak Charles Dance for me. Um, season two, especially, where he's, you know, working with Arya, you know, in, in all those little scenes in, in the room, you know, where she's the cup cup bearer. Oh, such good stuff. Such good stuff. Dude, so good. God, he's so great in those. Uh, but anyway, how do, you, how do you feel about him in this movie? Fantastic. The true sign of a big dog contender mm. is when they're in a movie that's not that good. Obviously, you and I both have mixed emotions about this movie. It's not a disaster like we've said. But it's not that great either, in my opinion. But Dance is fantastic. And he's great in every scene. And he also gets fed some bad lines, but somehow they come out a little bit better, seemingly. And he has just a charisma and a charm and an understated electricity about him mm -hmm. that is very unique it's very specific and i think it's kind of gross that he's not a bigger actor like obviously he had this really big resurgence with game of thrones but outside of game of thrones and this i don't think i've really seen him in anything is he a stage guy? Like, I if you know some of his backstory, I'll be glad to hear it because I don't know much, and he blew me away yet again. He is a fantastic actor. 
Well, I really love Last Action Hero. I saw that when I was a kid and, and you know, was always a huge fan of it. Um, mm. He plays the bad guy in that. He's, he's really great. <laughs> he's also in Gosford Park, which is a Robert Altman movie that I've never seen that I'd like to check out. I saw him in The Imitation Game, which is not a great movie, but he's great in every scene he's in. So he, you know, he pops up here and there in stuff that I like. And I guess he was in the, he was in like five episodes of the crown. Um, he's just this, like I said, like he's kind of developed into this elder statesman. And, uh, I also, oh, I guess I also mentioned that he's in for your eyes only, which uh, is a bond movie that I really like, but, uh, he's, he's actually a, a wordless henchman in that. He is really great. Did you? How did you feel about the the performance in general? In I think he's incredible in this. He, he's like so he good. elevates the material like tenfold. Like none of these lines are that great, but he, like you said, like he just has a way of delivering things that you're just like you buy it. You know, like I buy, like like when he's telling the story of of how he ended up at the prison, like you, you know. It's an underwhelming story in terms of like establi- sure. establishing his credentials, but he delivers it like a fucking pro. Yeah. And and it is a shocking death. Like I really didn't see it coming. I thought he was It's going a good to be one a too. It's it's a good one. <laughs> top brute contender. A definitely a top brute contender. Um but uh he is just so uniquely charismatic i love the guy and i i hope we get him on the board more if he did some stuff here or there outside of the movies you were mentioning um i just want to see more from him because because he is special honestly yeah he he crushes it he's so good in this movie speaking of actors who elevate the material above where it should be charles s dutton dude i think like he, he's he's doing some like Morpheus level, uh, you know, pep talks here. Yeah, dude, I love him in this. Is he just great? And also like gets, we've talked about people getting bad lines. He gets the worst of the badge. Oh, they're terrible. He gets so many shitty lines and a ton of, and, and one terrible moment, disgusting moment <laughs> in terms of how poor it is. Uh, but he does so much with it that I'm just like, I think this is a great performance because he's eating a bowl of shit and killing it. Like he's doing a great job. I think, what do you, how do you feel about it? No, I think he crushed it. It's like the speeches that they give him are so badly written in terms of like the, the content, but he's delivering them with this gravitas that we talked about with, with dance as well. But he's just like, he's buying into it so much that like you buy into it with him. And like, that's, that's what these kind of genre movies need is someone who can just come in and be like, no, I'm treating this material with respect. And my rallying cry for our team is going to be fuck it. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) it's so great. Like they're like, I love that their rallying cry is just saying like, fuck it. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, we've already got, we're going to heaven. Who gives a fuck? And he just, I guess, I'm kind of going after it. Um, how bad is that rape scene on a scale of one to 10? And I'm what not talking mean, about discomfort. Way? It is such a terrible scene in every way, in my opinion. It seems so shoehorned in. And I get it. They're trying to talk about, like, the dangers of this prison for a woman and dealing with these people and all this stuff, but it's, it's, it never comes up again. It's, 
it's short. Dutton comes in and is bashing people with a crowbar and gives that terrible line of like, I'm going to teach them these brothers some manners. And it's just like, ugh, the music stinks. And then it's like it just never comes back around. And like it, it, the threat of her being assaulted or raped never comes back again. And I feel like I felt the that possibility without seeing that scene. Like the, I think they did enough work to just like mention like all of these people are are have have histories of sexual violence and different things. Like just just saying it was enough, and to throw this like cheesy scene in there that doesn't amount to anything to try to reinforce these ideas just really didn't work for me. And it just it it felt like a like one of the worst scenes we've covered in this batch. It just doesn't need to be there. I agree with you. I mean, like, look, the reality is if you set your story with a female lead in an all male population, like if you, if you're doing something dark like this, like this does write itself on some level. And I feel like there's, there's in some ways like an obligation to pay off that expectation on some, you know, to some extent, I wish it wasn't there. I don't want to watch it. And you're right. Like if you're going to do it once and then never refer to it again, like you kind of do that entire scene a disservice and just make it like, you know, torture porn kind of shit. Um, I completely agree with you. It, it, It either get rid of it or do it with more sensitivity and, and actually like respect it later on in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but in the, so that's a, that's an example of, Bad Dutton, not his fault, but involved in a bad scene. An example, I think, of good Dutton, in addition to other things we've talked about, is just his character intro. and uh, Well, not not his character intro, but when Ripley really talks to him for the first time at that, at that table. That's a good scene where, where he's like, he it's our first meet. We don't know who this guy is. He said some nice things at the funeral. And then he's, he, mentioned, he tries to get her out of there of just like being like, get away from me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bad person. Like, you know, stay away. And then Ripley does that, has that cool moment. Shout out to Sigourney in that scene too, of like accepting the challenge and scooting in between these two, um, you know, rapers, (laughs) rapists on either side of her. And just reminds us that Sigourney really is a, a cool character. She doesn't back down from anything. And we see him start to respect her more from that, physical gesture of, of accepting that potential danger of scooting into that seat, but just a cool intro. And, and we don't know much about this guy, like I said, but like he's, he is really, really charismatic and cool in this movie too. I liked him a lot. Fuck that thing. Let's fight it. Yeah, dude. What did you think of his demise? Like fight fist fighting with the alien as the lead is about to come tumbling down. <laughs> my, my favorite part of it is where he's getting mauled and he, he starts to feel like they're not going to drop the lead. And he's like, God damn it. I died for nothing. <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't say that, but that's coming through. It's like a damn it, Ripley. <laughs> Dude, I also like that. He's talking shit. Like he's fighting this alien that I, you know, I, I don't want to break it to him, but probably doesn't speak English. And he's like talking shit. He's like, that's how you fight, motherfucker. You think you can fight? Like, what are you doing talking shit to a xenomorph, dude? This is so crazy. (laughs) It is so ridiculous. He has so many of those moments where I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But whatever. He does well with the material given all of that. So 
I do like that moment where they're debating whether or not to wait for the rescue team that will have weapons to take care of this versus like going out there and dealing with it. And he's mm-hmm. like a centerpiece in that conversation and that discussion. I thought that was actually a cool moment in the movie because I think I can see both sides of like, why would we go out and try to take this thing on with fucking flares and a hatchet when people with guns are coming? Let's just ride it out for another two hours. Like that's, That was a legit point of tension that the characters were t- t- tossing around. I liked it. Well, and I also buy Ripley's exp- explanation of mm-hmm. like, you think they're going to let you live? Like, you know, you know, it, it, which is a totally fair point given her experience. And like, she's probably right. Like, I don't think that they have good intentions when they're trying to lure her up to to have the, you know, alien baby ripped out of her stomach. They they are absolutely going to kill her and take the, the thing and try and, you know, populate it. Oh, yeah, dude. She makes the right choice in not believing them. Also, sure. can we just, sorry, not to sidetrack for a moment, mm-hmm. but since we're on the topic, can we just talk about the fact that when she does her swan dive off the fucking, oh, you know, thing into God. the lava, the alien baby rips out of her stomach while she's falling? It's the most amazing Terrible. choice. No, Terrible. I, am, I, oh, I will defend that God. to my death. That is such a phenomenally funny choice to me that I am here for it. Wow. Okay, so did you hear that that was a studio choice? No, but that's so funny to me. <laughs> so it's good. It's a good point to, to, to mention this. We've, we've flirted with the idea a little bit, but it should be clear there are two cuts of this film yes. floating around out there. Now, There's the one that Drew and I have principally been talking about, which is the 1992 theatrical cut. Correct. And then when Alien, the Alien franchise released a box set in what, like 2002 or some shit like that, uh, included in some of the every, every movie had like an alternate version to some degree and Alien 3 had an assembly cut uh, that Fincher did that was no. supposed to be no, oh, no not, Fincher not did not Fincher. do it um, oh he did it was done without Fincher's involvement they based it on Fincher's notes not on his words so it is in a lot of ways supposedly more aligned with what he wanted to do but he did not oversee the cut in any ways, and he actually has never watched it and does not recognize it as his work. Okay, so 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 oh, then this will be even like a briefer category then. So I, I thought he had some some say. It's in not it, so a director's mind. cut. There's a reason it's called the assembly cut, not the director's cut. Got you. So he did not have in his like original notes and original plan for the film, and this proves true in the assembly edit. The alien does not come out of the stomach at the end. That was a mm. studio note. And Drew and I, I guess we differ on this because I hated that and you loved it. I didn't. I Okay. I shouldn't say I loved it because I understand it's it's terrible. Like, but I, it's the <laughs> so kind of cheesy. terrible that I find so funny that I, I'm here for it. I don't know. Do you like that she almost swaddles it a little bit as she's falling? I didn't notice that. I wasn't, I wasn't kind of. I didn't notice that until second watch today. She's kind of carefully not cradling it but kind of and it's like oh my god you guys are bashing the aspiring motherhood angle so bad with this fucking decision and like i was like is this a studio note of like oh people need to be reminded of her of why she's sacrificing you know it's like so stupid i think i think maybe therein lies one of the major issues i have with this movie which is like the tonal disparity like i think at times it feels like this movie is trying to be this ultra dark, like, you know, just like getting more in line with 
alien in terms of just being like relentlessly brutal and and uh, depressing versus like the aliens side which is a little more lighthearted and fun like there are points in this movie that like we've talked about are just like black comedy like the dude mopping up the the blood after you know below the the ceiling tiles where the alien rips the guy you know i think like moments like that i'm like oh this movie wants to be fun and like have kind of a playful attitude with all this stuff which you know the the alien bursting out of her stomach is very much in that line but then you've also got like the ultra dark you know uh, cracking into a child's rib cage, you know, side of it, which is like, I, I don't think it gels together at all. I think we're kind of entering like shout out acting performance territory here. Those, but are, the, those are the big three. Those are the big three and they are all good, I would say. But I don't know how to pronounce this person's last name. Pete Postlethwaite? Pete Postlethwaite. Postlethwaite. That's tough. He is the guy that uh, Steven Spielberg once said is the greatest actor he ever worked with which is wild. Um, I think most people our age would know him as the hunter in the lost Roland world. Trumbo. <laughs> Roland and his partner, Ajay kind of Spielberg trying to kind of recreate the Robert Muldoon character from the first movie to some degree, but dark, like flip side of the coin, not being like, you know, being a poacher as opposed to a game trail person. Um, but always been an actor who passed away far too soon, but always been someone I, I liked. And you want to talk about a facha and you want to talk about a certain energy and a, and a very unique style. This cast, I think, is kind of sneakily good. And he's a key component of it, even though he's barely in this movie and he doesn't have much to do. He's he never does bad. Have, he's never bad. And, and even in um, Usual Suspects, which is kind of like, yeah, a, you know, he's great in that. Um Every time he shows up and, you know, he passed away. Romeo I think and of, Juliet, the, the Boz Lerman Romeo oh, and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. I he's insanely good in that. But um, great guy and uh, great kind of to call him a character actor, to call anyone a character actor. Is maybe no, he's a character actor, but, though. But he's he's just uh, very cool. He's, a, he's a, a, an amazing little spice that you throw into the stew, you know? Also got to mention Lance Henriksen making a reappearance after Aliens. Um, you know, in my opinion, he's one of the best parts of Aliens and the reason that that movie is amazing. Uh, Bishop is one of the great, great all-time robot characters, in my opinion. And I love the subversion of him being like untrusted at first because she doesn't trust androids and then him revealing himself to just be like a good dude. Yeah, <laughs> I dude, love that. I, I, I completely disagree. I, you're insane. You're insane. I, I like the performance, but like he's barely in Aliens with an S, dude. What? All he does is like, dude, he like, he's hanging out in the lab. He crawls down a tunnel and then he's clacking away on a keyboard. He's like barely relevant in that movie. Ridiculous. But I, I kind of like the the twist here of of it being the you know guy that they based Bishop on instead of you know Bishop himself. I I love that that you know flip on 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 its head like that. And I and also that bishop android that or the the puppet that they use for the android earlier in the movie is so grotesque and and awesome. I love that shit. How did you th- how did you feel about it? Uh, I great puppet work, uh, really stunning. And this movie has a lot of good throwbacks to the original Alien, and that's one of them. The sort of talking android head, but they re they reinterpret it how to do it. I thought that was a great callback. 
but it didn't feel shoehorned in. It made sense to the story. That's the type of callback I dig, and I think Definitely. that was a really good one. Um, and then when he actually showed up, I still have some confusion. I think he is an android because after he gets hit, it's like ear is hanging off. So oh, I didn't I catch really that. Tell, but it, but it's also bloody. So I don't know if it's like because you know androids normally have milky blood. So oh, wow. I couldn't tell. I, I was confused about that. that. Yet another point of confusion at the end of the film. Any uh, any other actors you want to call out here? No, I mean we've kind of mentioned it. Everything, everyone else is forgettable outside of the people we gave direct shoutouts to. They're all fine, but they're indistinct from one another, and, yeah. and that's a weakness in the film for sure. But, but on the whole, the cast is sneakily good in terms of the people we talked about. No, hundred uh, percent. I will also say the one other guy I recognized uh, was uh, Holt McElhaney, uh, who is also the star, uh, co-star of Mindhunter, the David Fincher show we referenced earlier. I guess he's like the main like rapist one with the tear tattoo uh, early on. I'll mention him. And then also the guy who played 85, I recognized because he, uh, you know, the one with the 85 IQ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, is in Star Wars Episode One. He's like the Naboo pilot who like pilots like, you know, Queen Amidala's cruiser. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know why I recognize that. I've just seen that movie so many times that I've pieced together his face. Yeah, it's stuck. It's stuck. That's cool, though. Yeah. Always good to see a familiar face. 85. He died the way he lived, stupidly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, at least he tried to stand up for something at the end of it. Yeah, but he just he hits the guy once, and then he runs away and gets just mowed just down. Shot down. <laughs> Speaking of mowed down, are we ready, Drew, for the next installment of Top Roots? Let's do it. <laughs> I made a pretty formal list here wow okay for top brutes once again and by I pretty formal prepared but I'll, I'll figure it out <laughs> we that's the beauty of it drew it's the combo it's the combo um why don't you list them out but re- refer to the ones that you are not calling your best first and because it sounds like you have a comprehensive list and i'm mine are definitely going to be cho- cho- like chosen from that group so just go through yours and i'll, I'll comment as we go so I'm going to leave, like you're saying, I'm leaving the winner unsaid in my mind, but I'm going to run through some that came to mind. This one might be hard to place in the movie, but I've call, I'm calling it the guy getting mowed. And there's one scene, it's kind of leading to that whole tunnel scheme of funneling the alien, where one of the inmates is kind of like rounding a corner, and he just hears like the alien... And he turns the corner and it's just like feasting on this dude's carcass. And there's just blood all over the walls. And typical to this fucking movie, we don't know who that is. Doesn't really <laughs> matter. But I thought it was definitely a top brute because the person at this point has died. And it's literally just the sounds of like the alien feasting. Continuing on this to carcass. shred his body to and pieces. Just like, and that actually is kind of cool. The whole idea of this coming out of the dog. And that it is dog-like to yeah, some it's degree. On all like fours. It runs on all fours. That, and apparently that was of, Fincher's idea. Like He wanted a more kind of animalistic, fast version than, than a bipedal one. So, And I think, I think that was a good idea. I think it's smart, yeah. And the way it's eating is like a dog with a toy. Of like, you know, how a dog will kind of shake its head around and shit yeah. like that. So that, that's one. That's, that's a top root candidate. Another one is, I termed it because we hadn't talked about him yet when I made this list. Lost World Guy, head through mini head through his head through the glass panel behind him yes um 
kind of traditional for an alien franchise, but it's shot really well in terms of it's a very short amount of time that it shows the glass breaking and the blood, but it's effective. And the head exploding. And the head exploding. It's just like all wham, bam, bam. <laughs> like pretty good kinetic filmmaking in a very kind of small window of time. So that's one I thought I needed to shout out. Yep. Let me know if any of these are popping for you. There's, oh, I um, mean, you're nailing good ones. I, I wasn't going to reference these, though, so I'm glad that we haven't gotten to the ones I was going to mention. So this one is maybe an honorable mention because I don't remember how the character act- actually died. Uh, and he might have been the person getting mad. But if you think of what the psycho guy went through, which is he sees his friend get hoisted up and like blood goes all over his own face and then he gets tied in a straight jacket and thrown on a bed and the <laughs> alien like attacks Charles dance and does this whole thing. So he's just had a bad day. Like he's had one of the worst days. And at some point he dies. I don't know how he died. No, he's know. the one who gets shot in the leg while on the platform at the Yo, end. No, that's the Cockney guy. That's Wait, like the Oh, British this is a guy. different guy. This is the, yeah. This oh, is this the is the brother one that, guy. that gets like, like, blasted through the wall uh, at, at the end oh did it, is that did he get wall blast well talking about the guy, not through the wall him? but like it, it, you know the two guys run into each other at the oh corner, god that scene sucks and, the, and they're like blows. oh they're like i thought yeah. it was the alien then it comes out and just like rams the one oh, dude into yes the wall. you're right that is okay i think that is him. i think that's him right but again this is the problem with this segment of the movie. We don't know who any of these people are because we can't recognize them, but, but somehow that guy dies and it might be what you said, but point being that's, he's had a shit day. So he's a top root contender. Uh, next more, one more is, for the all encompassing, uh, Daisy Domergue version of, yes, of top fruits exactly. where it's just like the cumulative effect yeah. of all these brutes. Exactly. It's like <laughs> a sem a semi reoccurring category within this semi reoccurring category. It's like this person who's had the worst day, you yeah. know, and he's, he's in that category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a bit of an easy one, but the dog, the dog is a top fruit, man. Like pacing and Pour I really out. must say that was a really effective sequence. The way that's cut with the guy leading the sermon at the funeral is really kind of eerie and off-putting and talking about rebirth and the aliens being born. Like, yeah, I agree. Say what you will about this movie, but that really worked for me. It was unsettling and really effective. Say um, what you will about the tenets of National Socialism. <laughs> at least it's an ethos. Uh all right, this is the first main human death in the film, really. And it's the second to last one. And it's the guy who gets hit with the acid and rolls into the fan. That's a pretty bad brute, if you think about it. And they no, find his That boot. was going to be my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude just gets absolutely shredded. That's a bad day in its own right, but acid in the face rolling into a nine-foot fan it's kind and of... then getting splattered to the point where like your pieces are hanging like stalactites off the roof of this yeah. tunnel yeah. is such a brute, dude. I mean, and I love that Fincher like shows the foot with the like bone sticking out and like, yeah. you just like, it's, it's like <laughs> that, yeah, just like the pure insanity of that one. And also the humiliation of you didn't even die because of the, well, you, because of the alien, but not by the alien's hand, you just kind of fell and, and got destroyed. It's, it's yeah, hilarious it to me into the fan. Um, We're sadists, folks. What can we say? It's just, hey, this is like this is what the category is all about. Uh, sorry, this is the true second to last one. We talked about Glasses Guy, the leader. 
that's a bad way to go. Brawling with a xenomorph, talking shit, and then getting lead dumped on you. Top brute honorable mention. Also, spending a lot of that time <laughs> thinking that you did it for nothing. Yeah, that they weren't going to get there in time. <laughs> uh, and then my choice for top brute of the film. I think it's a bit of a sleeper. Let me know what you think. It's one of the nameless prison inmates getting mauled towards the end of the movie. And it's the guy who's like really running for the door. And Glasses guy is kind of cheering him on like, come on, run like you've never run. It's like one of the last people to really get gobbled. And it's like as the door is starting to close and he just gets snatched away from the door and his blood goes flying on the door. And it's just I just thought that was for me the top brute possible that's interesting that's lower tier for me i mean i i i enjoy the you know over the topness of the blood and viscera getting like kicked out of that tunnel uh so you know i like it for that but like it's definitely not the the fan is the the fucking best to me i think you might be right but just for the sake of discussion i'm I'm going the other way i'm going with the door snap but some good top roots in this movie. Even D- though things Dutton aren't really should super definitely shown. be up there. We also didn't. You didn't mention Dance's kill either. Dance like gets the the mouth through yes. the back of the skull. You see his like skull cave in. It's fucking gnarly. That's true, and he's got the dropped tray of food as well, <laughs> and the the coffee mug. Because for a second, the first time I saw it, I thought he might get out of it, but because they 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 spend that time showing things fall. And then it's like, oh, no, there goes the skull. And there goes, like, blood drops in the water. Yeah. Uh, but that is a top brute. That, that's, a, that's a good one, too. It is. Um, trying to think if there's any others that stick out to me. I think the rest are pretty pretty normal. I mean, you already mentioned the one of the guy getting, like, lifted up by his head and, like, the blood going all over his friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good one. The, the way that the head just, like, snaps back and, like, the blood just yeah. gushes out mm-hmm. is so fucking gross. Total brute. This this movie is definitely like up there for some of the like like the bloodiest kills I've seen in a movie. Well, top roots. I go with the fan, you go with the just door pick. geyser of blood. <laughs> the door pick. Door pick. Backwards. Door close splatter. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah, the door pick versus the fan. Couple of good entries. Okay. All right. Uh definitely will be in the running for top roots of the year at the end of this uh this thing so yeah all right um anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up here no i think we're in wrap-up territory we just do a little um review real quick oh last shout out from me i really liked it's a little gimmicky but i like the way they altered the 20th century fox intro and it turned it oh, into yeah. like the alien music. That was really cool, I thought. Well, just the way that it hangs on the one note and doesn't complete the sentence, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. where it just like, it, it's eerie because it's like just enough wrong, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought that was pretty cool. And I think it's normally kind of cheesy to fuck around with those logos. But Oh, I no, I love, I love when they fuck around with the fanfare. That's That's my favorite shit. But that, that's it for me, Drew. Any other shout-outs you want to give before we kind of wind this one down? I did want to say another dumb Dutton thing that I, I didn't point out earlier that, like, the again, just a, a script failing the actor again. But uh, there's the moment where, like, the alien does what he does, like, four other times in the movie where he grabs the guy by the head and lifts him up. Um, but Dutton's with the guy, and the guy's name is Kevin. <laughs> 
just like the most unfortunate naming for a, a, a henchman. But Dutton, like when this guy gets lifted up, he goes, no, Kevin. And he like runs over and like tries to like pull him away from the alien. And like the guy like lives for another like five seconds and then it gets mauled again. And it's just yeah, like, like, he's what? dead. Leave what him. are you doing? <laughs> like, how do you think that you're saving this guy? He's being held by his neck. And it's, and it is so unnecessary in so many ways because we already like this guy, meaning Dutton. Like, yeah. we're already on his side. We don't need to see him be brave again for no reason, for no story reason. So, I'm, yeah, that was stupid. I'm, I'm with you. I also just wanted to say that, uh, the once again, we mentioned it earlier, but the CGI effects of the alien running down those tunnels is just abysmal, abysmal. And, like, it's really unfortunate. Like, it, that's one of those moments where you wish that they had the foresight to be like, this is not going to age well and just do it with puppets or find some other interesting way to, to represent that. Um, less is more again, like you could have just done the jaws thing and just like had it just like kind of appearing randomly and like, like been, you know, something where the, the less you see is the, the scarier it is, but they, they went the full show it route and it, it did not pay off. Yeah. I mean, I would say as I've grown older, I, I don't care as much when something doesn't look good because it's more about the story to me, but it still is an eyesore when it sticks out and is just bad. Like when I was in high school, I cared so much about that. How are the special effects? Now I don't care, but still like, like we're saying when it's bad, it's still bad and it looked pretty shitty. And it's probably why they relied on the first person so much in those sequences, because like I bet Fincher knew better than anybody. Like this looks like ass. We have to try to limit how much we use this. Yeah. Yeah, I would be interested to see like if Fincher ever decided to go back and do a recut to see how much of that he leaves in cuz I guarantee it would be like very minimal. Um also just wanted to point out I I think like one thing that Fincher doesn't get credit for that he should in terms of uh well, well, him and the writers I guess. Uh even though I don't want to give the writers credit for anything in this movie, the idea of the xenomorph kind of taking on the form of like whatever it incubates in i think is really interesting and i and i like the layer of ripley like the the alien that she is producing is like a queen it's a mother it's like you know something that's going to like reproduce and like that is like i you know i don't know that's just such a terrifying idea um you know, that, that what's inside her is like even like worse and could like do more damage. It's like more powerful. Uh, yeah. Just interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And like, I will just say this too. Um, if anyone's interested in the different cuts of this movie, there's a really great YouTube video. It's like an hour. I didn't watch the whole thing, but maybe we'll throw it in the show notes where it breaks down the differences between the assembly cut and the theatrical and there are some cool differences. So if you're curious about that, it's a very well-made little video that we can throw nice. in the show notes. But I'd yeah, recommend yeah. it. I didn't realize that. I, I should check that out for sure. Last thing for me, it's really cool aesthetically and it makes for a good image. But those sparkler flashlights are the most impractical thing on the fucking planet. Mm. Sparkler flashlights? Like the, the flares or something? What, what yeah, like they're like torches. Yeah. But I mean like they, you know, they're using them... Yeah, they're torches, but they, but they they look like sparklers because they're kicking out sparks all over them, um, and they're just like producing this insane amount of smoke. And it's just like this is you're in tunnels, guys. Yeah. Like, 
yeah but i mean i'm just saying you cloud your vision more than the light is giving you like you know illumination it it (laughs) counteracts each other (laughs) that's true man when you're right you're right (laughs) all right anything else for you nah man that's it but um yeah like decent movie not terrible obviously a lot of flaws but i am glad i saw it and it was not as disastrous as i was expecting yeah um, that's kind of how I feel. I think overall, it's definitely worth a watch. If you love alien movies, you should watch this movie. Absolutely. Uh, it's a worthy entry, in my opinion. It's just misguided and doesn't doesn't land the uh, doesn't land the plane quite as well as the other ones. That's for sure. Well, let's get something new on the board here, shall we? Dude, I love it. And it is your week, Drew, to nominate a replacement. Do you have any kicking around? Did something bubble up? Or are you shooting from the hip a little bit? This is going to have to be from the hip. We didn't really touch on any movies that I really want to get on right now. So... Alien Resurrection. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know what? No, I I actually... I do have something. You brought up Moneyball earlier. Uh, Me and Jared have been having a love affair with Moneyball in the background uh, during these pre-chats where like, I watched it a couple of weeks ago. It was just like, Dude, this movie's fucking perfect. And Jared finally rewatched it recently. Bennett Miller as a filmmaker is someone that, based on that alone, I'm interested in. He only has, I think, three movies that he's made, Foxcatcher and Capote being the other two. Mm. I kind of want to put one of those on. Dude, I saw some of Capote in high school. Okay. And I was very curious and... We obviously love Philip Seymour Hoffman on this show. I would be pushing for that one specifically. Let's do it, Capote. Fair, dude, I love I love Capote. I think that I think that's a really cool choice and a movie I've been really wanting to see. So I, I love that choice. Yeah, absolutely. All right, here's the board as it sits now. Number one, The Brothers Bloom. Number two, Don't Look Now. Number three, Zed. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, Capote. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Alligator. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, The Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Dirty Dancing. Number 14, Straight Time. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days in May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. Number 20, Altered States. Love it, dude. Righty, lefty. Righty. Sweet. Be right back. Tried a new strategy, Drew. I What's just that? Gra- grabbed the dart from the board, turned around, walked back, and then just turned around and instantly threw it. And we got a number. What did you hit? We hit the number three. All right. We are doing the French thriller Zed. Oh, yeah. This is one of yours. This, this is, like is a the deep one that, school, right? that William Friedkin said was a huge inspiration for stuff like Sorcerer. So. Yeah. Dude, hell yeah, dude. I'm, we've, oh no, we saw Titane. I was going to be like, we've never watched a French film. No, we have. But I'm, I've wanted to explore this culture's movie making for some time and on a deeper level. So I'm excited. 1969's Zed. Currently available on the Criterion channel and HBO Max if you have it. So those are the ways to check it out if you want to see before we chat about it next week. 
That'll be next week. That'll do it this week for Alien 3. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, and give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show is created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mike. Later. Later.